Welcome to the Everything's Coming Up Marketing Podcast, where we talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly of marketing and mental health. On this show, oversharing is caring. I'm your host, Amber Rhodes. I hope you enjoy the show. Hey, y'all. I'm here with Karina Owens, who deals with stress by trying to focus on the things I can control and surrounding myself with people that have my best interests at heart. That's a great answer. How do you try to find that focus? Like, what is it that keeps you on those focuses of things you can control? Yeah, I definitely notice when I start to feel my anxiety rise, right? Like when it starts to feel like I can try and stay in tune with my body. And when I can literally feel it, like start to overcome, like almost like thinking about like sinking down, down in water and the water's over your head. Um, I just try and say the honest truth. Like even if I wanted something to be different or I know that this could be achieved in another avenue, if I'm not being provided that avenue, I just can't control it. So I can only do the best I can do. So I look for other ways in like in a career setting, I look for other ways I can help my colleagues. And it can be as small as like, hey, you know, there's this intense signal with your buyer. I'd recommend reaching out with this piece of content or using this new place. And, um, you know, or I look to help like people find jobs or I help them work through stressful situations, even if they're outside of my company. So I do a lot, a lot of like mentoring um, in my career. And that makes me feel like I'm providing value, meaningful work too, right? Um, Because it gets, I mean, even for people that have dedicated teams like HR and people, when your company gets to a certain size, you have to rely on the, your other employees to kind of embody those organizational values and provide psychologically safe environments. And so I just constantly try to raise raise awareness. Um, Being an account-based marketer, I'm constantly, you know, working with different teams, whether that be sales, insider, outside, product, marketing, like digital marketing, um, even different disparate systems in my own marketing organization like MOPS or RevOps. Um, And I try and see how I can, you know, help them with any of their blockers with either just recommendations for finding a resource for them that they didn't know existed or connecting them to somebody that I know that might be doing duplicative work. So, um, that was kind of long winded. (laughs) Was that helpful? (laughs) Sure. It's totally helpful. It sounds like something that helps you deal with stress is knowing that you're helping others. I'm wondering, like, let me dig into this real quick. Does that ever add a little bit of stress on your plate too, where you feel that you have to keep give, give, give thing? And then what, what happens next? So unfortunately, um, you know, I had a pretty traumatic childhood and a lot of the way that I received like sense of self or sense of self-worth was by constantly giving, um, to my abusers. And, um, it's works well in some aspects of my life. Right. But to your point, like it can get to this point of depletion and when you're in environments that are, and that's why I said like, you know, I sort of purposely start to surround myself with people that are like Karina's biggest fans and, like they will tell me the hard truth. They'll tell me the reality. Like they'll, they will tell me to slow down. They will tell me to leave or back away. Um, like they truly want what's best for me. So, 
Um, I'm still working. I'm still a work in progress on depleting myself of that because if I can help, I just so desperately want to. Um, it does come from a good place, but it also comes from a place of like, that's how my young brain was wired, right? Like if you're not doing everything you possibly can for this individual, or in this case, an organization, then you're not doing enough. And I have like the biggest heart and I really want to do everything I can to make others feel heard, seen, valued, appreciated. Um, so by ensuring that I have people both in like my networking career um, and also, of course, in my personal life, because um, I do, I spend most of my time working in my life. And so it's been important to me that I've cultivated both in and outside my current organization, like a group of people that can be like, I can go to and just be like, hey, I'm feeling overwhelmed. I'm feeling like I'm not enough. I'm feeling like stuck. So um, I think uh, having those people in your life in all aspects of your life is super important because you can't put too much on any one of those relationships, right? Like it's important that you know who to go to for, for a specific subject. Like you, you should choose what that is. Like you, you and me, Amber, like you and I should know what to go to each other for so that we don't overwhelm other people in our lives with what's going on. Um, but yeah, I think the way you get there is by identifying like what are things that I'm like keen to do that are going to get me to that level of exhaustion, right? Whether it's for good reason or not. And then two, like what are my, you know, toolkits of things I can do to decrease that stress level and, and center myself back. And I've gotten a lot better about that over the years, but I think it's so challenging for anybody right now because the rate of information we're receiving news and insights is just you'd almost have to completely disconnect at times and working in tech in particular, you kind of can't. So it's, um, it's definitely, definitely, definitely a challenge, but one that I do my best at. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's what I would, would say. Yeah. I mean, it's a really stressful time, which brings me into my next question. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> how are you doing? <laughs> oh man. I would have to say this is like, I am really hoping for 2023 to be like the year of like Karina's awakening or rebirth or what have you, because it was very challenging for me last year. And it's not, it's not really a common um, or accepted practice for people to bring their whole selves to work. Um, and a lot of what I do is on LinkedIn, right? So even I have started to slowly open up like more and more about myself on these different social platforms because um, I think it's important to, especially in a platform like LinkedIn, that's designed to be for career professionals to network and connect, to be our most authentic selves. Um, and I think the universe, I mean, I know how fluffy that sounds, but you just naturally gravitate towards certain people that way when you do that. Um, but I'm feeling depleted. I'm feeling broken down. I feel like I'm not enough. And there's no one thing or one person or uh, entity to put it on. 
it's been a variety of things. But I had a very weird encounter with an individual uh, that I met in real life the other day. And I heard a lot about this person's challenges, right? Like why things were changing, why we would, um, you know, maybe not keep to a certain plan. And I intentionally chose to not put everything that was going on in my life onto this person. So they shared with me everything about why they were not able to show up, right? Like in the way that maybe we had originally agreed to or wanted to. And I chose to respect that maybe they were in a place where they wanted to either just share that or they just were like, the stress was up here and the filter, you know, was gone. Um, but I choose to like, <laughs> I try very hard to be like intentional about like, I've got my stuff going on in my own life and I'm only going to bring out little bits and pieces when I need to make people aware that it, Hey, I may not be my, like, I may not be 110% today. I may be 70%. And here's just a tiny sliver of reason why. Um, and the fact that I had trauma, you know, from such a young age for like almost my whole life, right? It's something that most people, like I, most people will never know the full extent of it. Um, but I carry that with me every day. So it's, it's, it's um, I would encourage people to like share, but also be mindful to not just do this dump, right? Like find different avenues of sharing what's going on in your life, but don't do this full, let it explode up here and then dump on somebody else because you have no idea what the other person is going through. And if that person is also in that kind of state, you're triggering like a whole set of like potential, in my opinion, negative reactions. So it's simple, but if you can just show up with tiny kindness and understanding that you don't know what's going on in the other person's life, I think that's way better than showing up with, uh, you know, your own preconceived notions about a person's intention um, uh, or just a lack of, a lack of empathy. So that's, that, that, that's, um, that's my advice is like, just guys take a step back and deal with your own stuff so that it doesn't bleed out into everybody else because everybody's got their own stuff. And so sure, have conversations if you feel comfortable to, but if you're only showing up with me, 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 like that's not true empathy in my opinion. And we need that now. Yeah. I think like, especially in Western society in the United States, we've been conditioned to bottle things up and not show vulnerability. Um, so then like, even to the point where when I, before this call, I asked you, like, before I hit record, I asked you that I, I'm going to say, how are you doing? And I want you to answer authentically. And you got that. But that's only because you know that typically we don't answer authentically, that the answer is I'm good, I'm okay, whatever. Like, we don't actually say what we're feeling. And then we never leave space for the little bits of kindness, little bits of vulnerability. So then you're right. Some people, they bottle it up. Yep. Then they're drowning in it and they just let it out. And then it hits you like a wave. You're like, whoa, I don't know what to do with that information. Like that triggered something in me. It right. just is bound to happen where if we were more 
intentional about letting those little bits of ourselves out at work and we felt more comfortable doing it, then it wouldn't be such an issue. But I think a problem is we often don't feel comfortable doing it. Right. Uh, it's definitely not, uh, I would say, common just in general to talk about mental health still, even in the U.S. Um, and I think we're forced to at this point because <laughs> companies are forced to actually create policies around some things. Um and, you know, the most important aspect right now or for any company is like people and who are we, who are we putting our value in? Who are we not putting our value in? And then how are we going to handle the differences between the two? Okay, let's talk about boundaries because I, so my understanding of boundaries totally changed. I read something maybe a couple months ago. I thought that boundaries were just like, just an idea, like something that I needed to set up, but there was like no real purpose for it. I don't really know how to explain what I thought it was, but then someone said boundaries are things that you set with other people because you want to keep them in your life. So like if say I'll bring my mom up, sometimes she says things that stress me out and she says things that make me feel bad about myself, like you never call or whatever. And if I were to set a boundary, which I haven't, my bad, but if I were to set a boundary with her, it would be like, if you say that to me again, I cannot call you because it makes me feel bad, right? But setting those boundaries makes us feel bad as well. Do you have any experience with like struggling with setting boundaries between especially work and your real life? <laughs> You're like my whole life a little bit. My yeah. whole life, my whole life. Um, yeah. So I, I, I just, I won't go into the details of my personal, but I am diagnosed as PTSD um, and I have gone through trauma therapy. And for anybody that's interested in learning more about it, um, concepts like EMDR are things that I could talk about for a very long time and I'm very passionate about it because it just completely changed my life. Um, but boundaries is, it's to your point, you're trying to keep somebody in your life. And so you're, you're almost doing yourself a disservice, right? Because you're protecting somebody else, right? Which it's your, it's your job at the end of the day to take care of yourself. It's nobody else's job. So when we're setting those boundaries, like that's us taking care of ourselves and trying to make something work and showing the other person like this is what a relationship looks like for me or this is what a working manager boss situation looks like for me. And um, I try to do a lot of like I am feeling or I am interpreting um, kind of statements and they end up making me feel this way. And I don't want that to be the case. So if here are some things like, here's some examples and maybe the other person can noodle on it. And I really try to come at it as like non, like help to make sure that the person is not in a defensive state. Right. So like I do a lot of reassuring on the front of like, look, Let's take your mother, for example, because I've had to do this with my own. I love you, mommy. Um, <laughs> um, mom, I love you. I hear you. But right now, I have to respect my body and my, my emotions. And I'm getting really triggered right now 
by this statement that you say. And it actually makes me want to have less conversations with you because I don't want to put myself in this place. So if you don't mind, when you have those thoughts, do you mind not saying them out loud to me? Because right now they're not beneficial to our relationship. And I think it's like, you know, it's direct. And I think a lot of people um, struggle with how to be direct effectively, like without like, and you may hurt their feelings that you may catch them off by surprise. But if you have to honor you first, like how are you feeling first? And in work situations, you know, there's a lot to be done around setting up psychologically safe environments. And there are a few companies I've seen do this well because there's just they're just full of bureaucracy and we haven't like reevaluated things in a very long time, in my opinion. Yeah. I'm struggling with responding because I was so good. Well, first of all, the way that you crafted that boundary setting conversation with your mother, the hypothetical conversation was really good. It was super clear, really put the expectation and the onus on you like this. It's me, like it's all me. It's not you. Um, And that is something that I really struggle with in my personal life, setting boundaries in my professional life. I don't really do it. You know, like I don't know how to do it. A lot of what you said really resonated where it's Uh, you do feel like to an extent you have to fall in line. Otherwise you're on the chopping block right now, of course, more than before, because it's my way or the highway it feels like, or even if that's not the reason you're let go in your mind, it might be what you connect. And then you'll have like the association with that moving forward. Um, I'm curious how you are trying to set boundaries for yourself at work right now. It's really hard. Um, I used to give like 150%, like Monday through Monday, any hour of the night. And I know a lot of people, especially founders, like think that that's the way. And I just don't think it is. I think you have to have a more balanced life. And if you're only focused on one thing, I actually think it makes you unable to like have foresight into another opportunity or idea. Um, I also have started to, you know, my company right now is predominantly West Coast um, and many in an Israeli too. And I have started to ask like, look, we're recording these meetings. Is it absolutely mission critical if I'm not a speaker or I'm not presenting a topic? that I attend live. No, I have the permission to say no to these meetings. Okay, thank you. And that's been really helpful for me because then I can, while they're sleeping soft soft and sound on their hours, then I can go back and listen to the call and I'll be in a much better state of mind, right? But to be in this position where I barely leave this chair to go pee or eat because I'm just constantly in meetings, that's not a good or healthy employee. So, you know, we can do all the culture surveys you want. The action is what I think matters the most, right? Like, I think it's more than occasionally recognizing somebody for their work. Like, I, I think it's about, like, really knowing your direct reports. Like, what motivates them? What is driving them? And the flip side, 
what is going on in their lives that might be hurting them or causing them great distress? And what can I do? And that is the difference between a people manager and somebody that's just getting title promotion after title promotion. Leaders care about their people, period. And that means, like, you have to really believe that. Every individual I've managed has been completely different. And they've been honest with me and raw with me. And I've picked up things when I need to pick up for them because they've had insane amount of things in their life, like loss, death, like traumatic situations. And that you have to respect that now more than ever to check in with your people. I know revenue is the North Star for every company in the world right now, but the people that are going to help you get you there are the employees you have in front of you right now. So you, it's more important than ever that you create these psychologically safe environments where people feel free to speak their minds, offer, ask questions, right, publicly, one-on-one, um, in any forum. And if, you're, if your people are doing that and then they're getting kind of outcasted for that, that's when I would start to like – to really make sure you're, you, you, you take some time away and talk with people either in your company if you feel comfortable to in HR or outside of your company. And it, you don't have to get into specifics, but um, the, the main thing, any leader, if you're calling yourself a leader by title or your own words, own it. Own it because it comes with dealing with difficult and stressful situations. It comes with managing your people and managing your people demands care and attention to your people and all aspects of their life. And that's what you should really be thinking about. Like if you're being put in a position where you're going to be promoted to be a people manager, you're going to have to do some extra stuff because you have to protect your people. I've done project after project for some of my direct reports before because they were in tough situations and I wanted to protect their mental health so they could come and show up to work when they were ready on their time. I mean, snaps for that because that is absolutely true. I'm lucky to have a a manager who really respects me as a person, understands my mental health issues. (laughs) (laughs) multiple issues. And I was able to come in, not as my full self, because I I do not think that anyone feels comfortable coming in truly as their full self yet. But I was able to come in very open about my mental illnesses and just say, here's here's the reality. Sometimes I just can't. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes I just have to lay in bed and take a mental health day and I can't predict that. Um, And then have my manager just be really respectful of that. That's been really great. And I think that a turning point for me, like to some of your points was that I realized it is as important for me to interview the company for how they can fit me as it is for them to understand how I fit into their culture. And when I realized that and got like really intentional about how, how I want to show up at work how I want to talk about mental health, then it made me way more cautious about the kind of jobs I would pursue and the kind of people I wanted to work for. And I wanted a kind of a people first people manager. That's amazing. And um, I, I applaud you for being so mindful about that. 
I recently had a coworker, uh, or sorry, she's not a coworker, um, a very dear friend of mine who reached out to her own employer um, to get some guidelines and understanding like how she can uh, let them know that she has a disability. And just in the way that they responded to her triggered her. And so I spoke with her and I said, look, they probably don't have a process set up in place. And that's why they're probing and asking more questions. It's probably not coming from a place of like, well, we're not going to allow this or blah, 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 whatever it may be. But that's that's the sad reality is that, you know, there are people with disabilities and it doesn't mean they can't do jobs. Um, it, it should mean they work differently. But your company needs to be prepared to, one, hire those types of people, and two, like give them avenues that they feel safe to access. She did not feel safe in that email chain to say, I'm autistic. Like she did not want to do that. She just wanted to know where to go to find out the resources so that she could then submit it, right? So you know, words are very intentional. Processes like this are are super key. And um, I definitely would implore anybody that's interviewing or even at their own company to ask those questions and, you know, see what they come back with. <laughs> yeah. I, um, at a previous job, I was really struggling with my mental health. I had to go up a dosage on my Lexapro And eventually I was just like, okay, I was crying, overwhelmed. So I sent an email. I was like, I need to take mental health leave and I need it to happen now. And I need it to be two weeks. Mm -hmm. And then that started off a chain of emails that made me feel really uncomfortable. And then after the like week that I took off and their response to it, I know that they didn't have anything set in place. And then I was just like, well, I, that, what, I don't remember the, the phrase for it, but it like soured the whole experience for me. And I was like, okay, then I got to quit. Yep. That just, it you can't became go back. something I couldn't go back from it. I just couldn't. And I know in my heart of hearts that it wasn't intentional and right. that it didn't come from bias, but that they weren't set up for it. It didn't seem like they were really willing to make the time figure for it out it. in mm-hmm. that moment to take the time for it. And yeah, you just can't, you can't go back like that experience is there. It's always in my head. And yeah, you know, now that's something that you have as part of your lived experience that you're going to have to deal with. Like that's so unfortunate, right? Like uh, a lot of what I tell my, you know, friends and colleagues is like work is the last place that should bring up this kind of stress, right? Like it Mm -hmm. just is, it just is. I know we dedicate like that's the American way, like to work, 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 but it's the last place that should bring up such personal distress, right? It, it like, it just really is. Um, but you're right. I do think, and even in her case, she realized too, she was like, oh, thank you for talking me through that. Like I see now that there, there weren't, there weren't any initial biases. They probably just don't have a process in place. Um, there was a post on LinkedIn recently. I, I think you might've seen it, Amber, but there was somebody, um, that openly talked about being suicidal in the moment on LinkedIn in a post. And there was a CEO of the company that wanted to try and help this individual like acting right now. And then LinkedIn, you know, it's a technology. So it took him through a series of questions, but it was more like copy and paste what they do for advertisement. It was clear that like LinkedIn hasn't set up probably a policy for 
if these types of posts occur, what do I then ask the person that's reporting it? And the questions that the person got, he posted it. Um, we can link it in the show notes if you want, because I, I thought his post was really incredibly relevant. Um, were things like, do you not want to see this person anymore appear in your feed? And it's like, wow, that's not helpful. Um, what could have been helpful is what are some resources that I can offer this employee? And that could be a suicide hotline. That could be, you know, very, they could make it very localized if they wanted it to, but there wasn't in the drop down of responses after he made the, like the report to LinkedIn, he was doing it to try and help save an individual's lives. But the responses, unfortunately, that LinkedIn showed back were clearly not like thoughtful and researched and what have you. It was more of just let's carry the code over that exists already. And wow, do we really matter less than technology? Like that's, that's if that's the direction we're going to continue heading, right? And that's why things like with OpenAI and all this stuff, like it's very cool and there's a great potential um, but we're the humans that are making this all possible. We're creating it. We're putting those inputs in. So, um, I'll give you this for the show links too, but Josh Burson did, um, a whole analysis on how job descriptions were becoming a really important part of, um, using chat GPT. And they noticed that there was gender bias like immediately <laughs> and racial bias for certain types of mm-hmm. jobs. And it's like, again, humans are the inputs here. So a human or a bunch of humans decided this was the appropriate form of flow for this LinkedIn post. And that needs to be taken seriously. Like we cannot, I know we're all overwhelmed and we're all stressed out. Many of us are doing multiple jobs at one company or multiple companies. Um, so, but it doesn't like, we have to stop and really think about like what, what really matters most here at the end of the day? Like, what do I want on my grave tombstone or whatever? Like some things require some critical thinking and intentionality. And I'm, I want us as a society to care more about people and how we treat each other. That then will make these platforms that maybe are deemed more hateful better. Like it's not inherently a problem of the platform. It's like, it's, it's mm-hmm. how we show up every day with platforms or in real life. I think the the fun conversation about AI and chat GPT is, oh, it like has feelings. It wants to be sentient. And we're all like, oh my God, like the movies. But the honest mm-hmm. conversation that we need to be having, like what you were saying, is that they're human inputs and it's actually shining a light on the things that we messed up on. <laughs> like right. the fact that there are those inherent biases across job postings or that now we're seeing that there's really no safety net for mental health when it comes to like the algorithm and LinkedIn or whatever. So I think that definitely needs to be said and we need to start looking in that direction as well. Like less on the Sydney falling in love with the person it's chatting with and more (laughs) on like when we combine these human inputs and then it's giving us outputs based on those inputs, what is it saying? And it's kind of scary stuff. I completely agree. It's not many people talking about it, but at least you and I are talking about it. And at least the CEO of a major company, 
you know, like had his own integrity as a leader to say, hey, like LinkedIn, please address this. Like this is a person's life. Um, so yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to how uh, the Microsoft and the Googles of the world take this seriously with their privacy and compliance and all that. But um, in the meantime, there's these machines are still learning um, and many machines require so much human intervention. So we just need to take stock and like having integrity in the work that we do and uh, being open-minded about who might be impacted. Um, and I think that is, we can get there by just having conversations with people that are not just like us, but a lot less like us. Yep, I agree. Well, I'm going to start wrapping it up and I've got two more questions for you. Okay. The first one is if you could give advice to someone else who is maybe struggling with mental health and work right now in the marketing space, what would it be? See what resources your employer um, already has for you with benefits and just take them, right? Like just start taking them, trying them out. It doesn't mean that, um, like let's take like coaching, for example, um, or if there's therapy that they offer, you may not find the right one the first time. Please don't give up. Please keep trying. Um, I am. I love therapy. Therapy works. Coaching works. Um, and then take time for yourself when you're starting to feel those stressors. And don't put shame on those stressors that you're feeling. Like that's the that's the biggest thing. You can't ignore them. You can do something about them, but don't ignore them. Call them out, say what they are, write it down, say it out loud, give it a name, and then say, step away from it because it's not who you are. It's a moment in time and say, what resources do I have in front of me now to deal with this? And if it's being honest with your manager and asking for leave and you feel like you can do that, do it. But first and foremost, your company, if you're employed at the moment, should be giving you some kind of resource um, or material to look through. Um, and if not, reach out to those people that you do trust in or outside your network or in or outside your personal life, professional life, excuse me, and utilize them. Um, yeah, now is the time to come together. Definitely not the time to try and fight everything ourselves. Definitely. And I think that all of us kind of have this experience of having a friend or a coworker who has big mom energy. <laughs> you might know what I mean, where like, I won't do something for myself. But as soon as my dog is sick, I'm like on the phone with the vets. I'm like doing all this stuff. That's my big mom energy. Mm -hmm. So someone came to me and they're like, I'm having trouble with mental health at work and I need to find resources. I'm like, go, go, go. I would do it for them. So like find those people in your life who will step up for you if you feel like you don't have that capacity. So I'm just tacking on to your advice. Yeah, no, and I love it. I, I mean, um, you know, Amber, you're somebody I would feel comfortable talking to with this stuff about, and I hope I can be that for for you too if you ever need it. Um, it doesn't have to be directly inside, right, um, mm -hmm. your company. So yes, just, yeah, feel comfortable to reach out to the people that have shown and demonstrated that they are uh, allies, advocates, and supporters of you and your well-being. Exactly. And have you heard any good jokes lately? 
Oh, a God. hard left. <laughs> I know, very hard left. Um, <laughs> uh, a lot of mine would probably be really inappropriate. Um, let me try and think here. I feel like the dad and the pun jokes, those are my least form, favorite form of comedy. Like, I'm a huge fan of dry comedy. Oh, so, okay. So, um, I mean, I, I would probably just give, like, a lot of the ways, like, my people in my, my life uh, look to calm me down is they know they can just throw an office quote at me. And so one of my favorites is, I, I'm not superstitious, but I am a little stitious. So... I would say f- find out what you know about a person, what makes them tick, what makes them laugh. And that's a really great way to bring a smile to their day. Just something so simple like that. And I know memes are all the rage. So meme it up if that's how your <laughs> your, your friends like to uh, receive uh, forms of communication. Yes, meme it up. How the turntables. That's my favorite one. <laughs> how the turntables. Deadpan silence. Deadpan silence. So I just want to give you like an opportunity to shout out whatever you want to shout out in this final minute. Sure. Well, I think just in the theme of the episode, um, uh, Women in Revenue is a monthly meetup that I run uh, with Nisha. She's our gong sponsor. And then two individuals, Ashley and Katrina. And um, I'll also give you a link for the show notes. But um, we just have, have it be a space. We'll do different things. We'll bring on guest speakers for AMAs. Um, we'll just do things like Enneagrams where we like talk and learn about that with one another. But the whole point of it is to provide like a open and safe environment for women that's been running for over a year now. And, um, we did it, uh, one, one happens, we didn't know it would happen that day, but one happened on Roe v versus Wade. And we went together in a group and we were like, should we just cancel? Or is this actually exactly what these women might need right now? And we were like, no, this is probably exactly what we need right now is to just be in this safe, supportive group that's already proven that this is the intent of the group. And wow, was it better than probably any conversation I had like that day, like in my life. So, and these are strangers I've never met. So Mm -hmm. um, I would highly recommend you checking out this group if you're a woman in revenue in any type, employed or not employed, you're welcome to join um, so I'll make sure that, uh, Amber has that if you guys would like to implore that or just reach out to me too. Happy to chat one-on-one anytime. Yeah, I can second that. That was a great space. I only got to go to one, unfortunately, and I missed the Enneagram one, but I'm, you would have like loved all it. in. Yeah, I know. I would have, I would have loved it. I was sad that I had to miss it, but like, I check my calendar and make sure that I can keep it open as often as possible. Oh, I love that. Thank you, Amber. Yeah, and thanks for being here today. Thank you for creating this. I'm so excited for what's in store for this. Yeah, me too. I am too. 